Hey, everybody. Welcome to HMH's Future of Transportation podcast. I'm John Halpin, and this is another in a series of interviews with experts in the transportation industry. Joining me today is Jacob Bolin, Program Manager for Plug-In NC. Uh, it's a statewide program that works to increase adoption, resources, and collaboration for electric vehicles and charging infrastructure throughout North Carolina. Jacob, thanks for joining me. Can you please tell the listeners a little bit about your background, how you got involved with Plug-In NC, and a little more basically uh, doing better than I did explaining what your organization does. Yeah, sure. Well, John, thanks for, for having me, first and foremost. Uh, really excited to be here today. Um, yeah, so, so Plug-in NC, we are, as you mentioned, basically uh, a program that's been stood up to, to really help progress uh, EV adoption uh, and awareness throughout North Carolina. Um, we're housed under an organization that I work for, Advanced Energy, uh, which is essentially a um, nonprofit engineering and consulting firm uh, we were actually formed out of the Utilities Commission, the Public Utilities Commission here in North Carolina, uh, 40 years ago this year. And so, um, actually, that was 40 years ago last year. So, so 41 years now in, um, with the formation in 1980, uh, basically with the focus on um, really helping utilities and their end-use uh, customers and members uh, see more um, energy efficient options and implementation of technologies and also, of course, more renewable energy um, options uh, really through through various different sectors, whether it's commercial and industrial, um, solar. You know, we've got a, a handful of residential programs and, of course, um, electric transportation initiatives as well. That's that's a lot going on with you guys. So um, I'm sure you're busy. <laughs> All right. So talking about electric vehicles, I feel like you and I met, we, we chatted on the phone about, about we're recording this uh, in, in early April. We talked about a month, month and a half ago. We first met, whatever. Um, so I feel like about six months ago, a switch flipped in this industry. You know, before that, we mostly, you know, oh, yeah, Tesla. That's kind of cool. Wow, that's interesting. And then California said it would stop new combustion engine sales in 2035. And then the Biden administration said, yeah, for the federal fleet, that's going to happen too. Then the Super Bowl ad came out with uh, GM going all in on electric vehicles. Um, did, did electric vehicles become more mainstream even more quickly than you thought? I mean, they're not necessarily mainstream in in purchases yet, but all of a sudden, sudden the public consciousness has, has sort of done this 180 almost. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, you know, and, and so Plug-in NC was uh, was started in 2011. And so for us, in a lot of ways, it, it feels like it's been kind of a, a, a slow, steady push, but uh, but it's really exciting. I mean, what a great time to be working in the space. I think you're exactly right in terms of kind of the uh, the transition and the excitement and the momentum. I think the biggest thing with that over the last six months or so is really the 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 combination maybe of the the federal policy awareness, as you mentioned, and also some of the the, the marketing initiatives that are really starting to come out from, um, you know, GM, Ford, a lot of the other manufacturers is they're really starting to get excited about uh, some of the vehicle offerings that they have. So rather than it just being Tesla, um, you know, I think that we are really starting to see a lot of manufacturers proud of the vehicles that they that they either have rolling, you know, off the, the manufacturing lines right now or that that are soon going to be coming out. And so I think that it is a really good time for us working in the awareness space, um, you know, to have really the the benefit of all of the the public awareness and marketing um, that's really happening from so many different angles. So what's the biggest barrier for entry for electric vehicle adoption for consumers right now? 
You know, it, it's kind of hard to, to just pick one. Um, you know, there are a lot of different barriers and some of them feel really big and, and others, I think, maybe are a little bit overblown. Um, I think the biggest thing is just the, you know, thinking first about the light duty market. I think it's just kind of the 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 awareness and the willingness to kind of like engage with a new fuel type, right? So as consumers, we're so used to kind of this traditional structure of, um, you know, refueling our vehicle at the gas station, um, you know, whether that's going to be, you know, down the road from our house or um, across the country when we're on a road trip. We, we have kind of this insight that we know what we get from our vehicles and we can really trust the system that allows us that um, freedom and flexibility and, and independence. And so I think the the awareness of kind of this new electric fuel type where we're not talking in terms of uh, miles per gallon or um, price per gallon, but instead we're talking about, you know, kilowatt hours and kilowatts. And, you know, it's just a, a different kind of concept uh, that I think just takes quite a bit of time for folks to really um, understand. But, you know, with that being said, uh, I think once folks get behind the wheel of a vehicle uh, and once they really, you know, just kind of have that experience for the first time, it really doesn't take long to to really kind of integrate that that mindset. Um, but I do think that that for that first bit of attention or for that first kind of bit of awareness, that's uh, that's one of the bigger barriers for folks. So 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 on on that one, the last time we talked, we talked about this a little bit and, and you kind of said it's different than filling your car up with gas. Because if you go down the street and see three gas stations, the price is basically the same. You know, it might be a couple cents off or whatever. If you were to do the same thing with electric charging, there could be wildly varying prices. Why is that? And how do, is it getting fixed or is it improving at all? Yeah, and it, it is. But I think with that, you know, we have to keep in mind that that, that wild fluctuation really only happens for like, you know, maybe five to 10% of the charging instances that we would have. So if we, if we think about, if we zoom out for a second, think about kind of how we uh, will refuel an electric vehicle, it really happens more like charging our cell phone than it does refilling a traditional vehicle at, at the gas station. Because basically what we're going to do, we're rarely going to go from zero to 100% because we don't really need to. All that we need to do is basically have the opportunity to charge where our vehicle is already parked. So, you know, that's really going to start at the home, especially if we live in a single family residence, you know, with off street parking. Um, you know, there's certainly a lot of considerations for multi unit dwellings as well. There's a lot of work to be done to basically make sure there's good infrastructure there. But I think getting back to your point, John, it's, um, you know, when we have the opportunity to refuel at home, we know what the price of our electricity is. You know, we know what the, the price of our you know monthly electric bill is. And so there, there are these concepts where, um, honestly, we know exactly what, what kind of range we need when we leave, you know, for the day. So we know generally how long our commutes are. We know, you know, the different places that we have to go and the distance between them. Um, so in a lot of ways, the the price for electric fuel is, is very um, consistent and standard. But there is that element, you know, let's say for um, the last 10 or 20 percent of maybe our driving needs, that's more of that public charging setting, especially for DC fast charging. Uh, and not to get kind of too into the weeds too quickly here, but basically for that that high powered kind of convenience refueling. Um, and so that is going to have kind of some variable pricing associated with it, uh, mostly because that pricing can be set by the site hosts that that actually um, you know hosts that charging station or by the station provider itself. So as we think about 
um, you know, Tesla supercharging networks, for example, or Electrify America, EVGo, Green Lots, ChargePoint. There are a number of, of providers out there. Uh, and so there, there's this opportunity to really uh, vary the pricing components based on which provider you have or, you know, where that site is located and, and really what the, the needs or the, the uh, settings are for the site hosts themselves. Okay. So talking about site hosts, I'm thinking about going to, I know some hotels are starting to, you know, they have charging stations and, and uh, apartment dwellings, you know, multi, maybe kind of an apartment building. Uh, one of the attractions now is, you know, Hey, we have four EV charging stations, something like that. Um, going to Costco. I see those in the parking lot. Is that snowball rolling down the hill now that more uh, retail outlets, you know, uh, uh, con convenience stores like gas stations turning? Are, are they is that starting to you feel like sprout up in a lot more places? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that's really happening because, you know, and, and this is something that Plugin and C has been really focused on for a long time is like uh, and plenty of other organizations as, as well, kind of really focusing on, you know, how do we basically sell this value? proposition to a particular site host. So we think about it really as an amenity. So we see a lot of workplaces here in the Triangle and Charlotte and elsewhere really focusing on, hey, you know, this is something that we really need to offer to our employees. Um, you know, this is something that we need to offer if we are a retailer or a grocery or a hospitality um, organization or company, you know, we really need to focus on offering this because it's really starting to be more and more expected. Uh, EV drivers really plan their trips and where they go around where that charging infrastructure exists. So it really does, um, you know, when that amenity is lacking, it really kind of rings loud and clear for EV drivers. Um, and I think organizations and franchises are really catching on to that. Um, and then the other thing I think that's really important to mention there is that, you know, this is really, I think more and more we're seeing the the sustainability and, and kind of the, the eco-consciousness like really integrating more into brand identities, you know, needing to make sure that we have, um, you know, basically this this consciousness of, of sustainability. And, and, you know, of course, electric vehicles are a big part of that. So we're seeing it, um, you know, integrated into, as you mentioned, uh, hospitality franchises, university campuses, everybody who's basically trying to say, you know, this is something that we believe in and we want to offer that to our, our consumers and employees. Okay, so when you started working on it, let, let's go back, I don't know, three years, right? Di different world in, in terms of this industry. And at that point, the challenges for you were awareness, making people understand what how electric vehicles work. Um, you know, hey, it's not that hard. You know, it, it's not a big deal. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's, it's this thing, you know, that that that's too difficult to figure out. What are the challenges now? The challenge is different now because the awareness, it's not all the way there about like the charging, things like that. What kind of different challenges is it for you? Because you, you basically we're talking about transportation marketing here. You have to communicate about this. What are the challenges for you now that are different from what they were a couple of years ago? Yeah, well, I, I think the first and the, maybe the biggest one is that there are more vehicles out there now. So, and and that's still something that that is moving along, and so it's probably not at the place where we really want it to be. So, if we if we take a look three five years ago, you know, there was really a limited kind of skew of availability for for vehicles. 
Um, you know, you had Nissan Leafs, uh, you had a couple of plug-in hybrids available, you know, Teslas were, were starting to roll out, but, um, you know, generally it was kind of the more expensive Tesla options prior to the Tesla Model 3, which is really, um, really, I think ha- has done a lot for EV adoption, um, overall is kind of, that was the first like really widely adopted, um, electric vehicle was, was that Tesla Model 3. So anyway, I think that that's, you know, was the first kind of big piece. And I think that, that there's still a lot of work to be done with that. So we've got more vehicles coming available. Uh, but for example, here in North Carolina, we don't have access to all of the electric vehicles that might exist in some of the other states um, across the country, whether it's California um, or other states in the, you know, in the Northwest, for example, Pacific Northwest. Um, or even in the Northeast. And so, you know, there are some concepts and, and limitations for vehicle availability, um, you know, but that is changing. And so that's really exciting. And, you know, I think the other thing that we really kind of are starting to think about, and and I guess we, we've been thinking about it for a long time, but really starting to put into practice is like, how does this actually integrate with the rest of the electric grid, right? So from a strategic and a planning perspective, you know, what needs to happen at the utility level to make sure that basically uh, we're getting the most benefit out of electric vehicles. So we, we purchase an EV with it in mind that it's more environmental environmentally friendly. Uh, and it definitely is. But how can we really optimize that by making sure that, um, you know, we're not contributing to increased electric demand at certain times of the day? And so that's something that's a little bit more nuanced and isn't as, you know, important for the normal consumer. But again, that's that kind of shift in mentality to say, oh, you know, maybe we have folks that are for the first time kind of thinking about what is the time of use rate? Why am I being incentivized to charge, you know, maybe in the middle of the night instead of at 5.30 in the afternoon when I get home from work? And so right. some of those dynamics, I think, are are just really important to making sure that we really get the most out of this technology. Um, because if not, you know, I think that it's it's really a missed opportunity and, and is something that, you know, we are going to have to overcome. So we might as well do it now. All right. So, so you talked about not having tons of insight into other states from what you have seen, because you're, you're doing this on a statewide basis. You know, you're, you're trying to increase adoption here. What are other states? I don't want you to throw anyone under the bus. What are states doing wrong? What are some people doing wrong about how to communicate the benefits uh, of electric vehicles? Yeah, you know, it's it's a complex kind of problem or question. And and I think that, you know, there there are some states, let me say it this way, there are some states that are doing it right. Um, so the first place to start is actually kind of this concept of what's called a, uh, a ZEV state, which is basically um, has a, a statewide policy in place uh, that sets a mandate, kind of an increasing mandate over time for the percentage of EVs sold relative to the rest of vehicle sales. Um, and it's about 13 states right now, with Virginia actually being the most recent. And so what that does is that actually signals to auto manufacturers, hey, we're going to send our electric vehicles. We have a fairly limited supply right now because this is new for us. We basically had to, you know, retool our manufacturing facilities to be able to, to you know, integrate um, these vehicles into kind of our product lines. So we have limited availability right now. We're going to send them to those states where we know that there is this um, precedent that that they will be sold. And so, you know, for for basically the rest of our states, that that leaves a little bit of um, a little bit of a gap in terms of the the product availability that we have. Um, you know, I think the other thing is, and you know, public fast charging infrastructure 
isn't everything. Um, you know, most of our charging needs are met on a daily basis at home, uh, at work, you know, around town without much, you know, worry at all. However, there is certainly the situation where when we're traveling across the state to see family or um, visit friends or interstate, you know, anything like that, you know, we, we do need at times that fast public charging infrastructure. Um, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, we're, we're really starting to see utilities get super involved here in North Carolina, which is really great. Um, but up to this point, basically a lot of the, the fast charging infrastructure that we're seeing is actually a result of the VW mitigation settlement. So if you remember like the diesel emission scandal from some years yeah. ago with Volkswagen, um, that basically has gone a really lar like long way in terms of building out the public infrastructure across the nation. And so, you know, each state is is kind of tackling that in their own way. But I think that we, um, and again, you know, I think that there are a lot of companies that are really centering and focusing these initiatives to make sure there is enough charging infrastructure. Um, but I think that we are leaning a little bit heavily uh, up to this point on, on that VW funded infrastructure. And without huh. that, we actually would be in, in a little bit more of a, a limited space than, than we are. And so, um, you know, it's kind of just interesting uh, uh, how it's been built out that way. Um, but again, there are a lot of other factors at play there with utility initiatives and commission filings and, um, you know, all sorts of different things like that. Okay. So you mentioned the utility companies and I know you have at least one Duke Energy member on your board of your organization, right? So how are the utility, how much are they on board? Like, are they I, I think I read and I this is this is a lack of preparation here right here. There, there was a consortium of six utility companies recently, including Duke throughout the Midwest and the Southeast that basically are going to make charging easy, basically kind of connect charging stations so that people can have a seamless trip. Um, so that, that signal to me, I read that was probably a couple of weeks ago. Hey, the utility companies are really they're they're kind of getting all in on this, too. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it makes it really fun to, to be involved here in North Carolina, where I think we're really a leader in the Southeast when it comes to utility engagement. So, um, you know, the most kind of prominent kind of announced is, is Duke Energy. They had a, uh, a $75, $76 million pilot filing before the Utilities Commission a few years ago. Um, back at the end of last year, um, that pilot, electric transportation pilot, was approved in part. Uh, about a third uh, was approved um, compared to, to what they proposed. Uh, it still makes it the biggest utility initiative in the Southeast, which is is really great. Um, you know, basically that process is being played out right now with a lot of stakeholders being involved, talking about, you know, what are some improvements that could be made? What are the ways that we really do this the best? And, um, you know, so that's, that's kind of going on from the Duke Energy side. Um, you know, we've also got the North Carolina's electric cooperatives, uh, they really cover a, a pretty significant portion of the landmass here in the state. Um, they've got a rural beneficial electrification network that's really focused on placing charging infrastructure in strategic locations throughout the state. Uh, they're doing a really great job to basically market this, to kind of show the value that public charging can actually bring to communities in terms of economic development. Um, you know, you've got this opportunity as an EV driver to see uh, a critical charging location, you know, maybe in a rural county or in a place that you haven't visited before. It's a great signal to kind of like, you know, maybe alter your route or to, to go through a certain town or city um, and charge up and kind of see what's around. And so it's a really great opportunity to kind of engage. And they've been really leaders in that space. Um, Dominion Energy in, in North Carolina 
Uh, they've got a small footprint here in North Carolina. Um, and I'll say all three of, of those utilities are uh, member utilities of Advanced Energy. And so we work very closely with them. Um, and, but but we can really see kind of what Dominion's doing, uh, you know, just north of us in Virginia. They've got a, um, a really kind of first of its kind electric school bus initiative uh, where they are electrifying a, a fleet of um, hundreds of school buses over the next few years. I, I don't remember the exact number, but it's a really ambitious program. Uh, and they're actually going to be using those school buses as part of kind of the incentive option for school districts. They're going to be using those school buses as a battery asset when the vehicles, when the buses are not being driven. And yep. so that's really cool to think about, you know, how, what's the next wave? Like, what's the next way that we engage with this technology as a utility asset that really benefits everybody? Um, and then lastly, I'll just mention too, the, the electric municipalities. Um, so we've got a, a handful of, of electric municipalities throughout North Carolina. Um, and they kind of fall under the bubble of electricities. Um, and basically, they are really focused on this as well, pursuing uh, public charging infrastructure when they can. Um, you can actually look at the, the VW mitigation awards uh, that's managed through North Carolina's Department of Environmental Quality. And it's really great to see all the different utilities, especially the cooperatives and the electric uh, municipalities, really focused on getting charging assets. Um, so it's great to see them all like really engaged and, and involved here. And I think it's a great signal for, um, you know, what we're going to see over the next many years for, for the infrastructure build out. All right. So you uh, told me that you do uh, basically awareness adoption events around the state. Have you gotten back out there yet? I know it's been a tough year. Yeah, we haven't. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to be a little bit conservative with when we get back out, um, simply because, you know, I, I think that, that you know, looking back kind of hindsight, uh, you know, in, in 2020, we weren't really sure how long, you know, some of the kind of restrictions were going to last. And so I think in, in some ways we were like just biding our time a little bit. We were like, you know, maybe we'll, we'll have an opportunity to get back out there in September. Um, September is a really big kind of awareness month nationally. Uh, it, it takes part what's called National Drive Electric Week. So we had some, you know, earlier in the year, um, you know, around this time last year, we, we were really unsure of what the, the long-term impact would be. And so we had, I think, some hopes to be able to, you know, get back out in the fall. Um, obviously, that changed pretty quick. So anyway, we are, we're definitely trying to, to stay fairly conservative, you know, stay safe, um, you know, and, and just figure out kind of what else we need to do. What are our other kind of strategic options and way to, ways to engage with folks? And so um, I definitely miss, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I think I took for granted a little bit how fun it was to be able to kind of drive across the state and do some of these events and, and really engage with folks. And um, I think we're all kind of missing that, that, you know, human interaction quite a bit. And so, um, you know, we're really excited to get back out there for sure. Yeah, uh, same here. I got my first vaccine dose yesterday, so yeah, we're 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 on we're rolling here. Um, okay, so so last question for you. Um, so I am a, a transportation marketer. Mm -hmm. um, coach me. How do I if 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 I have a an EV client or a charging station client or whoever? What 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 do I need to focus on to like again? We talked about this a little earlier. But again, what, what do I need to focus on in my communications? How do I, is it, is this a, is this a straight education thing? Is charging the most important? Like I said, we talked about barriers and things like that. Uh, tell, tell me how, what would your advice be to me? Yeah, I, I think, but the takeaway advice, John, would be know your audience. So I think when it comes to, 
maybe the medium and heavy duty side, or if you're working with you know fleet managers or kind of the the fleet perspective, uh, it's really all going to be about the cost of ownership. So you know mm-hmm. you might have currently a, a slightly increased purchase price, um, you know, kind of increased capital cost originally for an electric vehicle. Um, but those paybacks, they're really there. And they've been proven to, you know, depending on the vehicle type uh, and the application, you know, could it be anywhere from, you know, six, seven years to, to 10 years in terms of kind of that, that payback time. Um, but it's a great opportunity. You're definitely going to see those life cycle savings. Uh, if you're if you're marketing towards maybe a, a light duty, you know, kind of civilian driver, like myself or, or any of us kind of just hitting the road with our own personal vehicles, it's really an enhanced driving experience. It's super fun. The cabins are super quiet. Um, you know, you've got this opportunity to have this convenience charging where you never have to go to a gas station again. Um, you know, so if you think about it like that, like you're already pulling up in your driveway every evening, all you do is just, you know, just like you charge your phone every evening, you just plug in your car and you're good to go for the next day. And so, you know, I think that, that it really is about knowing your audience. Um, you know, there, there are the dynamics of kind of the, the charging infrastructure and the charging details that you might need to, to really educate and market around, um, you know, maybe for folks who aren't as familiar that now need to make that decision. Um, I think fleet managers are a good example of that, right? Like that's something that a concept of refueling, um, they, they've really known what they've needed to do with, with you know, refilling a, a diesel tank. Um, it's buried at underground, you know, once a month or once every right. couple of months. And, and so it's just a different concept in terms of like, you know, managing this, um, this aspect of their fleet. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really about knowing your audience. I mean, you know, in what cases is the, um, is the environmental benefit going to be kind of the, the most intriguing benefit or sale of the electric vehicle? Um, versus when is it going to be kind of the enhanced fun driving experience versus when it's going to be the, the, you know, the cost of ownership and savings potential. All right. Um, Jacob, I could do this all day, but I'm going to let you go. Maybe we'll do it again though. I hope. Um, can you tell people where they can learn more about plug in NC? Yeah, for sure. Please uh, check us out. We're, we're really present on, on social media. So whatever your, your favorite social media uh, channel is, you can find us at PluginNC, uh, PluginNC.org or .com. Uh, we're around there as well. So, so please feel free to reach out. I'm happy to chat with any of you guys or, or if anybody wants to ever get together and do an event when the time comes, John will have to uh, circle back around for that. If you're anywhere near Charlotte, I know you're up in Raleigh, but anywhere near here, I am in. I, I can't wait to meet you in person and, and check out one of the vehicles you're you're offering out there you got it we'll make a trip just for that that sounds good (laughs) all right um everybody jacob thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it everybody if you enjoyed this show please subscribe and leave us a review on apple podcast spotify wherever you might be watching or listening it'll help us get the word out and we would really appreciate it to learn more about hmh the transportation transformation industry visit hmhagency.com or find us on all the usual social media platforms for jacob bowen i'm john halpin Thanks for listening, and we will be back soon with a new episode of the Future of Transportation podcast.